So how's you been, Len? Same old, same old. Although fun stuff with getting back into freelancing is like talking to people for hours and hours and then not actually getting any paying work out of it. That's how you fun charge times. for that time. I know. I, I got to figure out how to how to like. You just send them a bill and say, "This is how much time you took." <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even just like before you even have a lead, like lots of emails going back and forth. Mm. It's fun stuff. Someday people will be beating down your door to hire you, and then you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Maybe you can be like a lawyer. Like, what's that term when you get to give a lawyer money and they don't do anything yet? A retainer. Uh, retainer. Re- retainer. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me you need a retainer. <laughs> yeah, being a retainer is pretty sweet. <laughs> I've actually done a gig like that before. Nice. You're just like on retainer in case shit breaks. And, you know, the secret is to make sure that everything is written well enough so that nothing breaks. <laughs> so, which is exactly why you're on retainer. See, it's all circular. Like you're See, on retainer because you're the kind of person who wants to make sure shit doesn't break. But then shit doesn't break because you're on retainer. So you're selling insurance and then it's in your best interest to make sure things don't ever need to be repaired absolutely like i had um i was on call last week and it was a really busy on call week i think i got like four incidents which is a lot for one week i was like i think it's because it was like the last working week of the year essentially before people hibernate for until the new year people were breaking shit and generally i'm like i was not breaking shit but other people breaking shit, so then i had to get woken up by pager duty um but I, I don't know i was just reading about there was like some quote from Bezos, of course, like the CEO of Amazon, that a funny thing happens when you put engineers on call is they build shit that doesn't break. <laughs> so that's my ideal world is when things don't break. If a client has you in retainer, though, how do you um, how do you ensure that things aren't just scope creep? Um, well, I, I guess no matter what, they're paying you for your time. Yeah, there. So I mean, there's that, but it really is like I the retainer is written out when I did it for one a client. I only did it once, but like, uh, it wasn't really for me. I don't know, um, because it's like being like on call. So even if like nothing happens, you're just like a like I don't know. It's like the feeling of having your time owed to someone else. I didn't really like anyway. But when I wrote out the the piece it was like these are the things that i am doing anything outside of this is not a thing Mm. um and i would put in a change order for it Hmm. but we had a really good relationship and they weren't the kind of people like we knew each other a really long time like they didn't want any new work they just wanted like things not to go down so they weren't requesting features or anything i found it hard trying to manage multiple clients being like a solo freelancer when things break especially Mm. well i tend to have uh, all my clients on aws so I had a couple incidences where like uh, AWS goes down and then like everybody's broken and then you have to kind of prioritize because you can only try to fix one 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 thing at a time. So what have you been working on in your break? Hopefully I'll, uh, I'll have this up this week. So before the show goes out, but uh, I'm doing a screencast site in React uh, and it'll be at reactcast.tv. So now you have to have it up. Before next, uh, before this Friday. No, yeah. Next, next, um, <laughs> next Friday. I am committed now. So is it about React and the site is also built in React or? Yep. Okay. The only thing I really have left to build is uh, Stripe integration and then probably take me forever to figure out how to get uh, SSL on DigitalOcean. <laughs> you don't want to use one of those paid solutions? No. I mean, it was a good side project. I figured I might as well host it myself. Easy enough. Cool. 
Let me know when it's live so I can break it. <laughs> That's awesome, though. So how did you choose topics to cover? Or have you picked any yet? I mean, if I just did Flux Frameworks, I'd have enough topics for a year. So I don't think I'll have any uh, lack of content, <laughs> especially since I want to do both React and React Native. You should use the money from the screencast to get a React Conf. I heard tickets are going to go like really quickly because there's only like, 400 seats. <laughs> Yeah. You could have applied to give a lightning talk and they would have given you a ticket. Well, at a discounted price, I think. Or you get a ticket for free, I'm not sure. If you speak or if you apply? Oh, if you you get accepted to give a lightning talk. It was just a lightning talk. Yeah, it's five minutes. February 22nd, 23rd, San Francisco. I had that feeling this week of looking at conferences that are coming up and feeling like, I don't know. To tell tell us about your your I don't know feelings, Justin. Like um, like I feel like I should be submitting something, but I also feel like I have nothing to share. Well, you know that part's not true. But I like, know. So if you want to submit something, you can find something to submit. If you feel like you should submit, and it's that you don't necessarily want to submit, that's different. I guess I don't want to submit because it feels. I know again, this is not true. But I feel like I've been doing anything interesting, so I don't want to take up time from other people that are submitting to talk about interesting things. <laughs> no, I've just been doing. You know that the, the judges will make that decision, right? Just like you're just saying the same thing that other people say, and when they're wrong. Yeah, wrong. probably. And also, like you don't need to be doing the work. That's the thing is, like you don't need to be doing the work for the conference organizers for them. Like, don't take yourself out of the running ever. Mm. Like that is that is what they do. They like look at the proposals and decide what goes in. That's like, true. Like that's what that's what I mean too. Of like, if you're trying, like you're saying one thing, like because I think sometimes people, at least for me, like if I feel like a should or something, it's really just expressing that like I actually would prefer to like hang around at home for a little bit or possibly you know travel for fun instead of for work, which is what I'm thinking about doing for next year. I'm not really, I haven't really seen anything where I'm like, wow, I really like you know want to go speak at that conference. Um, but but yeah, if it if it's the that stuff, that's just excuses and like. You can you know, <laughs> just write a proposal and submit it and let them reject it. And it also, you know, I actually thought of this when I've applied for like fellowships and stuff. Sometimes I also apply like I'm like, oh, no way am I going to get this. But you're actually weirdly, I think of it as an altruistic thing because then you're making them more prestigious because you add one to the number of people who did not get in. So the percentage accepted looks more prestigious. This is how I justified applying to some fellowships and stuff that I was patently unqualified for. So then they remain prestigious because they aren't prestigious if a lot of people don't apply for them. Mm, that's interesting. But yeah, so you should do it. I guess what is at the core of all these feelings is I felt like I should be really good in Elixir by the end of this year, and I didn't really do anything with Elixir all year. <laughs> oh, and that's I, what you I, I like do. I like put all my to, my what chips into lawn bots. Yeah, uh, turns out that's like really low on our list of priorities for getting our house in order. So I really don't have like time to dedicate to that. But if you submitted lawn bots as an abstract, then you would. Then I would have to make it work. <laughs> that is true. No, I I intend to um, to return to that, but it's not going to be until probably like February. We're still unpacking our house, and the the workshop that I would build that in is kind of a mess right now. But that should be in good orders shortly. So Pinterest released a bunch of Elixir tools last night. I saw that too. That was pretty cool. Although one was just wrapping an Erlang library, which the, uh, what was it, like Exostats or something? 
Wait, what was this? Pinterest released two open source. Uh, they open source two Elixir libraries, and I believe that they use this stuff in their rate limiting layer in their in their API or their app. So they have an Elixir API. I think that Elixir provides a proxy for their API. Was my understanding of what I what I read. Mm. So if you make too many requests, then Elixir would reject your request. But if you are under your limit, then they would forward it to whatever API is serving your traffic. I thought you'd be stuck on the the Rift library, the Thrift stuff. Oh yeah, that was cool too. They use um yeah they use Thrift. I d- I did read that in depth. That was pretty cool. They use Thrift for all their services. Wait, how are they using Thrift? So Thrift is um you have a file that uh. Thrift declares a schema for all of your data types and all of your services, like what they respond to and uh, what APIs they have. So there were no Elixir Thrift libraries, so they wrote one that does um, a bunch of code generation and metaprogramming to read Thrift files and spit out Elixir code. So you can like you can pass this function like a Thrift um, specification for like a data type, and then say like to Elixir, and it will just create Elixir bytecode or the AST or whatever, whatever Elixir, whatever you need to generate Elixir code, it will it will do for you. And I think there's some macros that are like, read this um, struct from this thrift file, and then and then in Elixir, you have the this user type that has the thrift-defined types. And then you can serialize that to, I guess, whatever protocol you use to talk to your services. Does it generate Phoenix code, or does it just generate like, just this, like dumb, plain old Elixir objects? Uh, the latter, <laughs> uh, but, but, but it also generates, uh, like service endpoints. They're not, they're not Phoenix. They're just like reading off of a socket. I don't, I don't know too much about how services communicate with thrift. I tried to get them to communicate with the message bus at one point and that kind of didn't work out for me. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that it's just all like, uh, like TCP sockets. Hmm. You just like start a thrift server on this port and then other services that have that same thrift specification can talk to it. I remember you talking about this before, but I've not heard of anyone else using it since then. <laughs> oh, well, Threads is like really popular in large organizations for, um, so I, like I've worked on a couple projects where we have a service oriented architecture, but there's no, um, there's no hard specification of what, and, and what I mean by that is like, there's no specification as code of like what services do what and respond to what API requests and what data types they respond with. Usually it's just like JSON and somebody has to like look at a response and then make sure they program it correctly. There's no like type safety across services and languages. But Thrift provides, you can say like, this is a our user struct and it has a first name and a last name and an email address. And these are all strings. And then every language like, um, like C or Java or Elixir or Ruby can read that same file and generate code that is compatible with these the code generated on other languages so those languages can talk to each other and use the correct data types and they all serialize to the same thing with thrift and if you're in a, in a typed language um such as like go for instance um you have you have some safety like knowing that when you read that user object off the wire that it is a correct data type in, in go <clears throat> i think thrift came out of facebook I'm not 100 on that though but it seems like a really good uh, thing to do once your engineering team is past a certain point, and because <clears throat> it's it's slow to like pass you know JSON specifications around and try to you know agree on on, on formats and um, 
Like you have no you have no guarantees by the computer that the JSON being returned is actually formatted the way you expect it to be formatted. But with Thrift, you have you have that guarantee. Are there versions on Thrift schemas? I think it's yes, but I think it's more like um, I'm, I'm I haven't looked at Thrift in a while. There's a couple other things like protocol buffers and Cap and Proto and Avro, which are other um, serialization formats. Um, but I think most of them file it so that you can always add fields and the fields that were previously there are backwards compatible. And then you just basically follow a rule of like never delete a field. You can deprecate a field, but you can never delete or change a field. And as long as you're only adding data to the data type, then everything else can talk to it. Or you can remove it if you like want to have downtime. <laughs> uh, yeah. And the other benefit of, of using something with a schema like thrift is that when you pass things over the wire, you're not passing, um, like JSON is like a like a map is like keys and values. Um, you're not passing the keys and the values. You're only passing the values in almost like a position. Uh, and it's it's and it's not even like it doesn't even look like JSON. It's not like a text file. It's just the raw bytes to to fill that data in. So it's much much faster to encode and decode than than JSON is. Um, which again doesn't really matter for smaller teams or deployments, but. Um, I imagine th- somebody at Facebook or Pinterest scale, like that matters a lot. Spending time serializing, deserializing JSON is probably not an option for internal service communication. <clears throat> when I woke up this morning, I did not expect to be explaining thrift. <laughs> what did you expect? Um, talk about Rails 5, uh, talk about Star Wars. and um, No, we can't talk about Star Wars. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet either. I'm going to see it in like two hours. Uh <laughs> Um, but Rails 5 is coming. Uh, DHH posted a tweet that was a video of Action Cable. Um, the most interesting thing I got out of the video was you no longer type rake to do things. You type Rails. Oh, that'll take me like three years to get used to. <laughs> rails DB migrate. Oh, why? <laughs> is that just rake? Is that just like wrap rake? Uh, well, in a way, rake. well, in a way, rake actually just wraps rails, right? Mm, like rake yeah. is like requiring some rails library and then calling a method. Um, no, but that, that was a, there was a conference talk a couple of years ago, I think by Jeff Casimir. I'm not sure. That was like, um, here are the things that rails does weird that newcomers have problems with. And one of them was like instance variables all of a sudden magically appear in views as, as um, instance variables. Like why does that happen? The rails routing system is kind of weird where you have like these methods like magically being declared and they don't really, and they're just like globally declared in the view or they're included. And one of the other things was like, why do I type rake for some commands and rails for other commands? Like why do I type rake db migrate and then rails generate migration? Um, so yeah, it's good that they're, I guess it really doesn't matter if it's rake or rails, just move everything to one direction and be done. So is that the most exciting thing about rails five? In my opinion, possibly, uh, <laughs> apparently there is a new WebSocket thing coming. Uh, Puma is the new default server instead of Webrick. And by including uh, the Rails gem in your gem file, you require uh, Advent Machine, Puma, um, Celluloid, and something else. Like instead of having Action Cable as something that you, that the generator puts in your gem file, it's actually a dependency of the Rails gem. And you can't remove it? Not in the current master, but that, I'm sure that that'll probably change before before Rails 5 release. I don't know. Also support for Rails API now, right? Built in or something like that. I thought that was Rails four. I don't know. I have not used it. <laughs> Damn, I'm out of date on my Rails knowledge. 
I know you're doing all that elixir coding enclosure. Did you figure out how Genevent works and explain it to me? Not yet. Next podcast. Mm. <laughs> this one was figure out how to get all the holiday gifts by Christmas. <laughs> How'd that go? Pretty good. Amazon works out well. <laughs> I could just shipped everything to my parents' house. So I wouldn't have any encounters with the city mail people. Mm. Have you hit, had encounters? Hit, well, they're hit or miss. Like sometimes they'll be like, oh, we tried delivering it. And I, no phone call or anything to open the door. So everything just went to my parents' house in the burbs. How's your mail experience here, Pam? It's kind of bad. Or package experience in general. I had It totally is very apartment dependent. My last apartment was very male friendly, uh, M-A-I-O. Um, and it was really nice cause they would just drop things inside the door and it was the kind where it wasn't the kind of door that people on the street would be like, Oh, looks like there's some free stuff there. So like, I didn't mind that they dropped the mail there. Now I don't have anywhere for them to drop, which means I have to go to the hellscape. That is the post office. And oh my gosh, it's, there's just so, they're so smug. Like that's the worst part. Like I just don't, I don't know why they have to be so smug and I don't know why I can't, you know, like have that job done by a machine um instead of a very smug person but would the robots be smug i don't know but like i don't know why they can't have you know robot terminals that go and grab my package for me why there has to be a human who does it because it's all scanner based and database anyway so like why do i have to have some smug person who's like why did you get something mailed to you? And it's kind of the worst. And it causes me like significant, significant anxiety every time I go to the mail place. Anyway, that was a lot of, of sharing, but I really hate the mail office. Mail itself is fine. Generally get things, but having to go to the mail office is terrible. I always regret going to the post, the postal service. I'm like, so I'll say they're actually, they're going to raise prices in January, uh, 10 to 20%. So, so that, that, that much closer to UPS and FedEx more it might mean that it might be worth going to exactly like and like i'm pretty sure my ups experience would be going to my bodega and you know that's like on the corner the person who like you know like sells me snacks and is generally a nice human being and is not an asshole to me um rather than like angry postal workers not that, unless like, you have to go to the ups center in the, down south philly are they really mean they're not me it's just it's more like a warehouse always. than a ups store yeah Oh, I've never had to do that. I think if you get something yeah. delivered and it misses delivery and then you want to go pick it up, I think that's where you have to go in Philly. Yeah, I usually just let it get mailed back and order it again. <laughs> I was going to say that's what I did all the time. There wasn't so too many things there. I wanted from Amazon that I actually cared about that much that warranted like going to yeah, terrible South Philly UPS center. And Amazon will just refund it and you, you just order and try again. <laughs> We need to wait. So bad. We ordered a gift for our daughter uh, for Christmas. Uh, it was a table and two chairs. And then the next day, it was on a lightning deal for like thirty five dollars off. So we called Amazon and was trying to we were trying to get like the the same price. Yeah. But but so in order to save money, now we're we ordered another one. And we're returning the first one and we're paying the return shipping. So we're doing all this to save like fifteen dollars. That's a lot of work. I mean, it's not that much work, but. It is kind of a pain. You should have just ordered it again and damaged the first one. I guess that's really It was the principle of all of it, you know. Take it back. So are, are we going to get to do the end of the year again? If since our new recording schedule? Or is it next um, time we I mean, we, we can record, record it whenever, right? That is true. 2015, Javon, go. 
It was a good year. <laughs> all right. That's all I have to say. Podcast flu. Over. That was the best part of the year. You had the flu? I know. I, I flew to the. Oh, you flew. Yeah. That was pretty cool. We went to Boston Twice. and ate a lot of seafood. Yeah. Uh, podcasts got more subscribers. Although we did lessen the recording schedule, but that's okay. New job. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I think those are the main ones. Spoke at conferences. New thing. Anyone else want to go? I have a lot. I mean, I did conferences, uh, speaking, um, went to Recurse Center, uh, got a new job at the same job, but I like it a lot better. Uh, get to hang out with Javon many days, which is an improvement. And uh, what else? Oh, yeah, second book, which is maybe maybe we'll be in beta soon, hopefully. But yeah, lots of stuff. I just moved across the country and became unemployed. <laughs> That's about it. Yay. That's not funny, but the way you say it sounds makes it sound really funny. And you're just starting a new screencast. Yeah. That's 2016. No, he's going to get it done before the end of the year. <laughs> you want to say anything, Justin? Not really. Uh, you moved and got a new job, too. I did. HashiCorp is pretty cool. 2016, I will write more Elixir. But no, we should really do like a more uh, flushed out version of this next next time. Should we? Uh, <laughs> apparently not. I don't know. I guess we could. Well, I don't know. So, because I was thinking, I don't know. I should have posted this last night, but I was thinking that this could be our year in review episode because it's going to come out at the right time. I mean, I guess like you might be thinking like that we could because it would be kind of cool to look over our uh, episodes from the year and really kind of talk about that interview. Like we could talk about us interview, uh, which is cool. us. And then we could do like Turing and complete year in review. And especially yeah, if Len a- felt like getting fancy with editing, <laughs> that could be a really fun episode. Wait, you're talking like a highlight show? Well, maybe <laughs> maybe with a medley. Um, I think it would be fun. Len's tone was like. What? <laughs> Len was like not about that. Um, yeah. We should think about it because it sounds like a good idea. Sit on it for a little bit. Did you get to watch The Affair yet, Len? Oh, yeah, it was good. I had to it's stop so watching it. Is it a movie? Or... No, it's a, it's a Showtime TV show. Oh. It's really good. Last time was a season two premiere. Uh, finale, sorry. Yeah, I, I had to turn it off. It's too much. I... <laughs> I still love the the premise. So um, it has like unreliable narrators. So you normally watch half the episode from somebody's perspective uh, and then you'll switch it to somebody else's and just like so many details that changed. And it's a lot of people find it slow because the plot usually progresses pretty slowly, except for the finale. <laughs> but uh, it's just interesting, like how people perceive themselves, like little details that change and Maybe they'll say kind of the same thing, but different phrasing. And um, I don't know. I'm, I'm obsessed with it. And it has uh, Dominic West from The Wire. I'll pretty much watch anything with anybody from The Wire in it, I think. Me too. Are you all ready for picks? Oh, God. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm already working remotely for the year. So I like, drove for 10 hours on Saturday. Well, Supposedly 10 hours is really like 11 hours. Um, so yeah, I'm still recovering. I don't have I don't have much brain. Anyway, I'll find a pick if someone else wants to start. Jervon, do you have a pick? 
Last night I heard a cool song by The Roots called The Seed 2.0, I think it's the name. Good song. And then I've been trying to understand and use the Clojure Reloaded workflow, um, which is pretty interesting. So I'm going to pick that pattern slash library, and I'll post some links towards that. All right, I've, I've hunted one down. Okay. Pick. So uh, I'm going to pick um, JS Features In by Hemad, who was the person I worked with on our contri- contribution to Node, which was really exciting. Wrote about it on the blog a while ago. Um, but yeah, super cool person. Um, but yeah, so jsfeatures.in, uh, if you hear about all these new JavaScript things and you're like, but when is that, you know, a thing? And JS features in tells you if it's in ES5, ES6, or ES7. So that, because it's, I think it's starting to get kind of confusing, like what things are ES7 features, what things are, were already there. Uh, so it's a pretty cool, pretty cool site and he keeps it really up to date. That's cool. Uh, so my pick is just the deliveries app. Uh, if you're on OS 10 and, and iOS, uh, there's an app called deliveries and it syncs up and you basically just feed it uh, whatever tracking numbers you get. And then it's just got a pretty nice interface and it stays on your uh, phone home screen. So it stops me from checking Amazon like twice a day to see where all my packages are. Uh, Justin, do you have a pick? If you have a Nest thermostat or I think a Honeywell thermostat too, there's an app for uh, iPhone, I'm not sure about Android, called Skylark. And you put in your username and password, and I think it's $10 for a lifetime license. And you can install it on as many devices as you want, like uh, you and your, your partner. Um, and then when you leave a certain radius from your house, it sets your thermostat to away. And then when you come home, it sets it to home. Um, so we're using that to turn off our HVAC systems when we're not home. I thought that was pretty cool. So show notes are at turing.cool slash 73. Follow us on Twitter at turingcool, and I'll talk to you all later. Bye. See you. Bye.